0: Welcome to the global edition of our NED Group Investments quarterly highlights, where we profile some of the interesting takeouts from our recent fund manager workshops with our global best-of-breed managers. To hear the full fund manager presentations, or for more information about our funds, visit the NED Group Investments website or access more information about our funds via LinkedIn, YouTube, and podcast channels. Inflation continues to be a key focus point for global fund managers. This is together with the potential of a recession and rising global interest rates, has seen financial markets decline significantly year-to-date. During this episode, we highlight the global real estate sectors that have remained resilient during the quarter. We then uncover the reasons for emerging markets' outperformance of global developed markets. We close off this episode by examining a framework for investing in financial markets with heightened anxiety referencing Netflix as a case study. And then we look at highlighting what equity investors should be focusing on when investing in the current high inflation environment. Global property stocks were down 13.2% year-to-date, but not all property assets are exposed to the same underlying risks. Marco Calantonio breaks down how the different global real estate sectors have been resilient in spite of rising global inflation. Currently
1: around 60% of the portfolio is exposed to three buckets that we highlight here and we've neatly abbreviated into beds, meds and sheds. Um, So beds refers to rental homes and apartments and and manufactured housing communities. They're benefiting from the housing shortage that uh, we see in many markets uh, and importantly they have short-term leases that can capture market rent growth, providing a uh, good inflation protection. The meds category refers to healthcare real estate, so the likes of seniors housing, uh, life science labs, uh, medical office buildings and clinics, which are typically less economically sensitive. But... Importantly, they're also benefiting from the aging population trend and the huge investment in medical science that's been going on for the treatment of so many unresolved human diseases, let alone just COVID. Uh, And the third bucket being sheds, which is a reference to logistics, which has been benefiting from e-commerce and also the need of many companies to improve their supply chain resilience. And it also includes data centers, which is benefiting from digitization and self-storage, which has been enjoying very strong occupancy and, and rent growth and, and short leases.
0: As inflation rates continue to rise in developed markets and central banks act to contain it, we've seen a contraction in financial market equity prices, but to a lesser extent in emerging markets. Michael Mortimer expands on this point.
2: We're seeing broader emerging markets uh, and liquidity in emerging markets. And I'd say if you you line this up next to developed markets, it's a much more positive picture. And I think that actually plays into why EMs have held up in part, um, performance-wise, even though it's it's down month, but it is outperforming developed markets. Emerging markets were under-owned, uh, came into this with less leverage, having not been able to stimulate uh, through COVID. So balance sheets were actually healthier. And central banks in a lot of emerging markets have a far greater tendency to to fight inflation and raise interest rates and be aggressive to try and crush inflation early. So I think there are some for some emerging markets I think, you know, are really appealing and, and broadly I think the liquidity environment is quite is not ideal, but it is, I think in relative terms to DM, I think it's fairly positive. And then on the right side you can see the relative valuations versus developed markets. I think it's very compelling. It's it's the widest spread in terms of valuations it's been for the last 20 years. As far as when that reverses or when the dollar comes down, I mean, it's hard to say, but we think that the case for EM is, is well and truly there. And if we do sort of move into a recessionary period and valuations get even more compelling, I think it's, it's a very interesting time to be adding to EM.
0: The US is currently in the middle of its earnings season, with most corporates coming out with numbers in July. Could this be the right time to invest in global stocks? Tony Cousin shares his thoughts. We do
3: envisage earnings declines. Uh, One of the problems is margins. Margins are very, very high, which is testament to strong management at companies that they've managed to get them up to these levels. But one thing the 70s showed is when inflation is taking off in its early stages, companies cannot pass through price increases quickly enough to match the increases in their costs Mm. and their margins get squeezed. And that will happen this time. We've already seen it in places, companies like Walmart and, and Target, for example, uh, and there will be more of that to come. And earnings estimates really haven't come down yet, and I think are way too optimistic. So that will happen. But, uh, you know, the, the long-term trend of equity markets is up, and they generate 5% real, 5 to 6% real in um, in the long run. And when they get back to a which is consistent with that, we will buy them. We know that within the opportunity set for this uh, portfolio, equities in the long term will be the best performing asset class. You just don't need to own equities when they're very expensive, as they still are. Cheaper than they were, but they still are. So, uh, you know, this is about patience. It's about not committing the money until you're being remunerated for the risk. But when that does happen, You've got to take the emotion out of the decision because things will look bad. But when the numbers look good, we will be going in and buying equities. And uh, that's what we have always done.
0: Steve Romick saw an investment opportunity when others were fearful towards the U.S. cable industry. He highlights this
4: investment thesis. Another example of our leaning into fear is our investment in the U.S. cable industry. These investments have underperformed in the last year, but still trade well above our cost. The industry has been plagued by fears of video cord cutting and competition from 5G and fiber to the home. This has allowed us to buy and continue to hold both Comcast and Charter Communications. These businesses trade at reasonable valuations and should have tremendous growth in free cash flow over the next decade. And we expect that they will allocate free cash flow in the best interest of shareholders, given that they are controlled by owner-operators.
0: Next, we spoke to Ben Fitzhugh, who articulates his investment thesis on Netflix, making the case for investing in the stock when the market is fearful and experiencing anxiety.
4: For us, it, you know, CEO behavior, how have managed reacted to the, a number of stresses on their business model, so, the stresses are, you would say, the sources of trauma. One is the COVID basically rolling off. So, it had an extremely unusually easy environment during uh, the sort of peak pandemic period where people obviously were trapped indoors and, and needing the streamers. And then they, that has also sort of encouraged lots of other business models to. Uh, to go into that area of which Disney Plus was accelerated. If I, if I were certainly in our house, it was accelerated, but I think more generally the idea was that Disney ran to the, the direct to consumer uh, model slightly quicker because of the necessity there. So the worry in the market is essentially capital crowding, so lots of people adopting the same business model, and that it's basically running out of growth. And so you can see that anxiety in the share price that has fallen a long way for such a a business model with such a strong user base but management have reacted and Netflix's history is is sort of replete with them pivoting their business model with lots of anxiety around it and that they have been effective at turning around the business a number of times in response to changes in their environment and so the the news that they are bringing out an ad-based low-cost subscription stream has been treated with a lot of anxiety in the market, but it actually looks like a relatively low-risk maneuver to us. So for us, it's that pattern of share price stress, worries about the viability of the business model, but it's a fundamental, very strong business to your point. You've got a very big, addicted user base. They've got extremely big uh, library, they create their own content now. It is not an existential threat what they're facing now. So we see the adaptation and we're buying at the high anxiety.
0: In a world with heightened uncertainty, runaway inflation and rising interest rates, Mike Moore shares his thoughts on what equity investors should be focusing on when making investments. So from an equity investor point of view, it's very difficult to actually be able to you know, consistently get that right from
2: a macro perspective and then actually working out what the market's going to do in relation to that is also a second degree of freedom, which is also uh, makes it more more difficult. So we actually think what you really need to do is focus on high quality companies who irrespective of what the macro throws at them, can actually handle these situations the best and have the most amount of self-determination. And we think that is actually a much more durable and consistent way to actually invest when you've got high degrees of uncertainty.
0: You can access more information about all our fund manager workshops on Ed Investments' website, YouTube, or through our podcast channels on all major platforms. This has been your Ed Investments quarterly briefing. Make sure to check back at the end of October for our next edition.